the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo, somebody say it. God is good. I can't help it. I say that all the time because he just, he's good. He gets better and better and better. Not that he's changing, but I'm just learning to receive more of his grace and more of his goodness and more of all that he has. And during these feast times of the year, I just can't help but get so excited because of God's great plan that he wanted to remind us year in and year out and over and over and over again what he was doing for us, what he was providing for us, what he was hoping to get to us. Hallelujah. And the mess he wanted to take off of us. Praise the Lord. So here, as the sun's just setting, we're coming to close of Yom Kippur, the most holy of all the feasts, the Day of Atonement. Uh, this has been an exciting time, and we definitely want to rejoice in the fact that God did not leave us to our own devices. Boy, we would have been messed up. He didn't leave us with a shovel to dig ourselves out of the sin rut we got in. He made a plan. He made a way. And over and over and over, he reminds us of that great plan. So uh, since sundown of yesterday till this evening has been this great celebration of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. But guess what? Now it's all pointing towards Sunday, this coming Sunday. Look here. God has a plan. This is his calendar. He says, you had a sin problem and I had a sin answer. And I'd send my only begotten son because I love you so much. And he would come to be crucified and shed his sinless blood to pay off your sinful account. Praise God that you could have recon be reconciled back to God. And then he gave us the unleavened bread, uh, the feast of unleavened bread where Jesus came not born of a man and man's seed that is passes down the Adamic nature. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God because we were born of Adam's seed. It just we were born with it. But Jesus came to a virgin. He was the unleavened bread so that he could be the sinless sacrifice for us. Now note this in Deuteronomy 16 and 16. God said there's three feasts that I, I, I command that you don't come before me empty handed. And, um, and that's like, wow. So the offering the, from the heart God loves. But he says these are three. You're not going to come before me empty handed. And the first one is the feast of unleavened bread. So at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they would have to bring uh, an offering for the Lord. And then we know the third day He was resurrected, hallelujah, from the dead. He is alive so that we can see the first fruit of the resurrection and know that He's got an eternity for us. And even though these bodies may die, the Bible says one day at that trumpet sound that the dead in Christ shall rise first, amen. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord forever to be with Him in the air. God has a plan for us for eternity. And then He gave this uh, 50 days that uh, there was another spring feast to come, but there was a 50-day uh, uh, time span there. And that's why it's called Pentecost. Penta is the 50 or the 5. So in 50th day, Jesus told His disciples, He said, I'm going to heaven, but I need you to go tarry in Jerusalem. I've got something for you. What you've seen me do, you're going to be able to do. You've seen me lay hands on the sick, you'll be able to lay hands on the sick, and they shall be made well. You've seen me not let the devil run over my life, and I've run the devil off, you're going to have authority to be able to run the devil off. He said, I'm going to give this to you, but you don't have it now. You need it by my spirit dwelling in you. So he tells them to go and tarry in Jerusalem till they're endued from on high with power. And on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says at that feast, it was a feast that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, who was uh, cowardly, denying the Lord, is now 
bold, standing up and preaching to all the people that had gathered there for the feast and 3,000 were saved. The church was birthed. So that's why I've got in here the church age. We're now, that's where the birthing of the church uh, came forth. We're going to talk more about that tonight in our, our part in this. So the second time it says in Deuteronomy 16 and 16 that we shouldn't come before the Lord at a feast with their hands empty is at the feast of Pentecost. So that's another one. We need to really, you know, now you say, I'm not under the law. Thank God we're not under the law. But if this was important to God, maybe it should still be important to us that we, we give a sacrifice unto Him in the Feast of Pentecost. And then we know this church age has been uh, this lingering 2,000 years plus that God is building His church in and through us. He has called us to be His ambassadors and uh, that we would expand the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's how He taught us to pray. And then we know that there's coming a day that this feast, this next feast that we just celebrated uh, last week uh, is going to come to pass, and, or a week before last, and that's Rosh Hashanah. That's the Feast of Trumpets that corresponds with the rapture of the trumpet of God calling us up into the heavens and uh, all that takes place with that. Uh, we know that it's fulfilled in part through Christ's coming, but Jesus said He's yet got more He's going to do. He's going he's to rapture us. He's going to call us unto Himself. So that hadn't been fulfilled yet. So these fall feasts have things yet to be fulfilled. And then here tonight, we're just, the sun is just set, and we've just come to the end of uh, Yom Kippur, and uh, Yom Kippur just left me. Come back, Yom Kippur. <laughs> and here, oh, what an exciting time as we uh, celebrate the Feast of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. And uh, we talked about it Sunday and how uh, Aaron, the high priest, would have to uh, slay a bull, take the blood into the Holy of Holies for atonement for himself sprinkle on the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat, seven times the blood. Then he would get cleansed and that bloody garments would be hanging to the side. Now we'd come out in his white linens. And, uh, and well, after he had uh, sacrificed the, the bull and the goat, uh, remember there's two goats and there's one's a scapegoat. He gets to go out into the wilderness and another one had to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. All of that has just taken place today in God's time schedule and uh, so now the scapegoat has been released to go out. Uh, he has tied to his horn a uh, crimson uh, rag or rag with blood on it. And uh, he's been sent out into the wilderness. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But then this coming Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday at sundown till next Sunday of sundown, for a whole week will be this feast here. What an exciting time, Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Sukkot. Um, where they would build the, they'll build these temporary shelters. Many Jews will still do this. The Jewish uh, folks will do that even now. Many Messianic Jews do it just because they want to participate in how God set that up to remind them of how they slept in these huts coming through the, tent, uh, to, through the wilderness for 40 years. Couldn't put a roof on it. They had to be able to see up into the uh, heavens because God said, I'll lead you by day with a uh, cloud and I'll lead you at night by a pillar of fire. So God made them, wanted them to move at night or move in today. They had to keep their eyes in the heavens and follow the Lord. So, uh, so they build these Sukkot and it's uh, all in praise and thanksgiving how God provided for them miraculously for 40 years. And that corresponds with the second coming where God's going to come in tabernacle with us and uh, establish this new heaven, new earth that he's so described Read about this in the book of Revelation. You read about it in the prophets of old. It's an exciting time. So in the, these fall feasts have not yet been fully 
completed. There's things yet to come, but Christ has already met the fulfillment of everything we need in Him. And praise God for that. So, um, as we are closing out Yom Kippur today, what excites me about this feast so much, every one of them excite me. So, Coates, next week, this Sunday, I probably will split. If Adam's, if the God don't do a mirror, I think I'm just going to just come apart. I'm so excited. So, Coates is absolutely amazing. It is amazing. When I share with you, oh, my, I'm already getting the goosey bumpies. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but... But here at Sukkot, what an exciting time. It's all about God's atonement for man's sin. But it's not just a, a one-way thing. It's, it's all about the double, being double free, double free. Uh, John, Jesus said in John 8, 36, he said, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And that phrase free indeed in the Greek text, uh, in the original of uh, which it was given, means double. You'll be free double. There's twice in it. There's double for you. There's double freedom, double freedom. And, uh, and that goes back to the twofold redemption that we see in Yom Kippur. Uh, you remember when Jesus asked in Matthew, and he said, 16, 16, he said, who do men say that I am? And you remember Peter finally said, you know, with revelation from the Father, thou art the Christ, the Christos, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, uh, and that word Christ, Christos, means, uh, as the prophets of old told us, there's a Christos coming, there's an anointed one coming, and he's going to do two things. He's going to remove the burden, and he's going to destroy the curse. He's going to lift the burden off of his people, and he's going to destroy the curse that is on his people. Now, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me to know that Jesus doesn't just want to remove the burden and get me access back to heaven that one day when I died 150 or whatever it is, that I'm going to go to heaven finally, but that on this earth, he wants me to live with the curse removed off of my life. The curse-destroying, burden-removing uh, power of God. This is, uh, was a Yom Kippur answer that Peter gave and from his father. The men couldn't get it. But, but Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then look what Jesus says on this Yom Kippur declaration. He goes on in verse 17 and he says, And I will build my church on this revelation. On this revelation. And some people get a little confused here where he says, Peter, you are Peter, and upon uh, this I will build my church. And some people say, well, God, God said he's going to build his church on Peter. That's not what he said at all. If you read the Greek, the original language that Jesus was speaking at that time and it was recorded, he said Petros, which is referring to Peter. He says, Peter, Petros, you little stone, your little, your little chip off of the old block, that's good. You just got revelation. But it's upon this Petra, I will build my church. And it's two different, two different uh, uses of the word there, which means this massive boulder, this massive stone, I will build my church. So what is he building his church on? That's where we and I, you and I come in, on this Yom Kippur uh, revelation that Peter got from the Father, that Jesus Christ is going to, he is the Christos. He is the one who is coming to, to, to take the burden of our sins away, pay our sin debt, Call, we, were, we were so much in bankruptcy, we were in bankruptcy court, and the judge is going to sentence us to the, the labor camps forever but to try and pay off our debt, and we still won't pay it off. Our next generation would have to pay it off. Jesus steps into the judge's court and says, Here, I'll, I'll offer my life, which is sinless life, sinless blood, and let me remove this burden off of them. Stamp their file paid in full. I'll pay it off right now. 
So that's part of the Yom Kippur foundation of what the church is built on. Thank God for that. But the second part is he's also the curse-destroying one, that he also destroys the curse. And some people say, well, when you get to heaven, there won't be a curse. Let me tell you what, I mean, yeah, it's true, but let me tell you, there's a curse working down here, and that's where we need the destructive power of God to be manifest, where we're having to contend with the curse and all of the events of the curse. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this Yom Kippur revelation that I am the sin-removing, uh, curse-destroying uh, son of the living God, power of God, I'll build my church on that. That's why I said last Sunday, we got to be, we got to know who we are. You, you ain't got no room for church politics. There's no room for, for church uh, a religious ritual and just going through motions and trying to impress people. Come on. That stuff should be for, uh, for uh, kindergartners that are out playing in the playground. The true church needs to be the mighty men and women of God who are united together through the blood of Jesus and the love of Jesus where our unity activates a power, the exponential of God, that we can come against the forces of hell, come against the works of the devil, come against the gates of hell. Isn't that what he says? The gates of hell cannot withstand the battering ram of the church. And the church has been hiding from hell for so long or housing hell in a lot of its parts. Come on now. And we're supposed to be kicking down the gates of hell and taking back what the enemy has stolen. But we won't do it if we don't know who we are and whose we are. Well, guess what? I'm on assignment to remind us of who we are and of whose we are and where we are and what we are and what we should be doing. Amen? Praise God. Now, there's this old, old, dusty book called the Talmud. Any of you ever, for casual reading, sat down and read the Talmud? Oh, good, good. We got one. <laughs> Man, I must have been two. We got two. Y'all must have been stranded on an island somewhere. No, no. The Talmud, it has uh, two books in it, the Mishnah and the, uh, uh, the Jamara, or the two books that are in the Talmud. And, uh, and I've just put some information up here for you. Is the Mishnah is the original written version of the oral law and how they were passing the oral law and what they thought of it with comments on it and history of how they saw it working out. has a lot of history there. And then the Gemara is the record of the rabbinic discussions and how they discussed it. People took notes and said, this is uh, what Rabbi so-and-so thinks this means and this is what Rabbi so-and-so disagrees with him and thinks this means. So it is some good reading. You can get a lot of history of what happened in uh, times of old as well as some of the insight from the contextualization. And I know you love that word, right, uh, for that. So you don't say, so what does that mean? It just means how it fit in its context at that, at that time. But in the Talmud, Dealing with Yom Kippur, they said there's these four, they call them strange things that changed after Yom Kippur, 30 A.D. These four things, they call them miracles. But they first said they're strange happenings that has no explanation. Kind of like a UFO, an unidentified flying object. These are unidentified uh, happenings in the temple and about our uh, sacrifice system. The first one was that there was this, they would always choose the scapegoat. You remember on Yom Kippur, they had the two goats. One of the goats gets to go free with a, a, a red, a bloody rag, a rag tied to his horn. And if he came back, that meant the curse came back. But if he stayed away, 
then praise God, the curse wouldn't come in back that year. So not only did they get their sins atoned for by the one goat in the, at the uh, altar, they're also having their curse removed. That's the Yom Kippur blessing, uh, twofold blessing there. And they said around 30 AD, they won't say after that man we hung on a cross on the hill. They don't say that. But they do say, say the same time that uh, up until that time it was like a 50-50 choosing of whether the priest with his right hand would get the white stone or the black stone. And they had those stones identified for the scape, ones for the scapegoat and ones for the uh, one that is going to be sacrificed. But after 30 AD, the percentage of him reaching in with his right hand and getting a white stone one time and a black stone the next time, which is about 50-50, now it got to the place that uh, he, they went for all of these years and uh, from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., those 40 years till the temple was destroyed, and not one time, not one time in those 40 years did they pull out the, the stone for the scapegoat ever again the, in the right hand, the way it was done. So the statisticians said that's astronomical. That's over one trillion to one that that would happen. It's like this system of the scapegoat just doesn't work anymore. Another thing they say happened that they, are, they talk about it kind of like around campfires, and it's like, ooh, spooky, spooky, okay? Said, since 30 A.D., the temple doors would swing open every night on their own. No matter how much we locked them, no matter how much we did, everything was supposed to be to secure them. And now remember, these, 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 these doors are 70 feet high, like a seven-story building. I mean, it's 70 feet high and 50 feet wide. That's how big these doors are. And they're made from cedar from Lebanon. And there's one rabbi that's recorded in, in the uh, Talmud, and uh, he says this. He says, he's speaking, he says to the temple, he's talking to the temple. Oh, temple, why do you frighten us? Why do when we lock the door and we walk away, we hear, and the door starts opening, and we're like, who opened the door? You know, a lot of these uh, horror things, I don't watch horror movies, but I've seen it on, a, on kind of a, uh, when got a little trailer going on the you know trying to sell you the movie or whatever and it's like that squeaky door opening it's like for some reason that's really scary well they here's what he said oh temple why do you frighten us we know that you you will end up destroyed for it has been said in Zechariah 11 and 1 and it is Zechariah 11 and 1 open your doors this is what Zechariah the prophet said open your doors O Lebanon and the fire may devour your cedars and here these cedar gates that are from the cedars of Lebanon are opening mysteriously for 40 years and they can't do enough to lock them shut. And we know in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, it was destroyed by fire. And Jesus said not one stone would be left up on top of the other and uh, all of the gold in there melting with the fire and then them in there chiseling trying to, to get that gold out is why not one stone was left unturned. So when God prophesies, he knows what he's talking about. He's looking from a perspective. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. So when God gives a prophetic word, you need to listen to it. You need to listen to it. And here this priest is, he's saying, I mean, this, uh, this uh, rabbi is saying, you know, we know in Zechariah 11 and 1, you said your doors of, of cedar from Lebanon would be opened and the temple would be destroyed by fire. And this is what's happening. So he says, oh, temple, why are you scaring us? We don't want to lose you. We don't want to lose our temple. But we know in 70 AD they did. It was a third miracle, and that was the uh, menorah, the menorah, the seven-stick uh, candle uh, stand that they had there. Uh, every night 
for 40 years, from 30 AD to 70 AD, uh, it would go out. And they would make sure it had all the oil it needed, the wicks were trimmed, everything was perfect like the priests uh, were supposed to do. But every night after Jesus was crucified, they, they would go out. That's over 12,500 nights in a row it would go out over and over. That's all recorded in their history book. That's not something somebody's making up. And uh, it would just go out on its own accord. And uh, no matter what they would do, they would rework the lamps and rework the lamps and nothing they would do would work, just like nothing they would do to lock the doors would keep the doors shut. Wow. And then there was this fourth thing they said this, that, this in the uh, Talmud there, in the Mishnah section of that. And he says this, he says, since Yom Kippur <coughs> in 30 A.D., they would always, before then, they would always take a red ribbon with blood on it. They would tie part of that rag around the goat, the scapegoat's horn, send him out in the wilderness, say, take our curses away from us. All of this was under God's instruction. But they would also keep part of that, and they would nail it to the, the door of the temple. And, uh, and, and when that blood disappeared, and the, right was, the rag was crimson white, I mean, uh, uh, snow white, then they would say, wow. We believe that means the curse won't come back. The goat's not coming back. And sure enough, that year the goat didn't come back. So they began, they put it together that if it miraculously turned white, then the curse wasn't coming back on them, that this system was working and they would rejoice and celebrate like you couldn't believe. But something happened after Jesus was crucified. They continued for 40 more years doing Yom Kippur with the two goats and the bull and they with the scapegoat but they would, tie, they would put this bloody rag on the temple door and it never changed. It stayed bloody. Nothing, it's like this system don't work anymore. And they knew the odds were for them because the history showed that more times than not that it turned white and the curse was removed that year. But now it never turned white. They knew it's like this thing, don't, it's like shaking something. What's wrong with you? Are you broke? It's not working anymore. And all of this is recorded in the Talmud. How exciting is that? They're not recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. They're not recognizing it was what Jesus did for us as He is the Lamb of God, that He is our Yom Kippur sacrifice, that the old system, He came and fulfilled that. So now we need Jesus rather than, than that system. They didn't put it together. Many of them didn't, but Peter and Paul and all of those disciples were teaching in this same time frame and many put it together and they came to serve Jesus Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and the church grew daily, the Bible says. Hallelujah. So isn't it exciting to know that what God said in His Word is real? You can go to historical uh, uh, documentation from people who don't believe in Jesus, and they will tell you that something happened when this man Jesus was crucified. It shut our system down. Come on now. Hallelujah. So this is, I don't know about you, but this is so exciting to me to know that what God has set up is going to come to pass. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to live in... We know. We know that we know uh, it's not. So their rag right now, there's no temple now, but uh, if it were, it would still be red because that scapegoat is not the one who might or might not have removed their curse. We had another scapegoat, the Bible said, who came in and fulfilled it for all ages, and that is the Son of the living God. So now we know that what Jesus did as our Christ, as the Christos, and you know we're called Christians, so we're to be of that anointing. 
That's a, to be called a Christian is to be called a Yom Kippur one, if I could say it that one, say it that way. Because the Yom Kippur uh, revelation of God is atonement, not only to take our sins away, but also to remove the curse off of us so that we can live a curse-free life. So to be called a Christian, and I'm glad to, I'm called a Christian, but our message should be that thank God in Christ we now can live curse-free. We can now live curse-free. Come on now. Somebody ought to get excited about that. This isn't when you get to heaven. This is now why you're kicking the gates of hell down. This is now why you're kicking in the back door of the devil's house and taking back your children and taking back your mind and taking back your money and taking back your health and saying you're not going to have your way because I have a Savior, a Redeemer who is the Christ and now He's attached me, brought me into His fellowship and His body and as a son or daughter of God, I am now anointed as well, called one like the Christ, one like the anointing, one like the Yom Kippur. So we help others see that their sins have been removed and the curse has been lifted in Jesus Christ. So all who will call on the name of Jesus. Have you called on the name of Jesus? There's a lot of religion that will dance and celebrate and, and, and they will poll and they will ballot box vote and they will secret uh, vote, they will raise hands and vote and they will do all kinds of stuff to say whether or not they're of the, uh, of the body of Christ. Let me tell you what, that's not how you get in. That's not how you get in. You don't get in playing politics. You don't get in playing uh, church, uh, you know, the hypocrite game. You don't get in that way. You get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way. The only way. you got to open your heart and say, Jesus, it's not about them. It's about you. It's not about all this. It's all about you. And I want to serve you and live my life to bring glory and honor to you. One time, Pastor Rodica and I, were, we were out of town. And it was quite a rustic place that we were staying. And, and uh, we were sleeping in this bed. And I woke up and looked over. And she was purring like a kitten, you know, just enjoying herself. And I'm looking around, and uh, as I'm looking around, I saw there was an ant right above the headboard, just walking on the wall. And the country boy that I am, I just reached up and, and I smooshed it. You know, you, you know, I just get rid of that ant, and, uh, and I went back to sleep. And did you know I woke up later, and my hand was covered with ants. And I look over at Pastor Deacon, not an ant is on her. And I'm like, why aren't they on her? She's sweeter than I am. But what I believe it was is they could smell the scent of the ant that I killed on my hand. And as they smell, I was carrying the scent for them to come and attack me. And boy, were they attacking me, boy. And I had my hand all bitten up by that. Now that's in the insect world. Think about this, not from a negative side, but think about it from a positive standpoint. Let's pretend you got a garment in your closet and that when you pull it out, it makes you super. It looks something like this right here. Uh, you pull that out and you may have it under your shirt, but, but you know, when you put it on, you like Clark Kent, you become Superman or Superwoman and uh, you go into the phone booth, this wimpy weakling, you put on this outfit and you emerge as Superman, okay? Within seconds, you are completely transformed in from who you are and now you are faster than a speeding bullet you're more powerful than a locomotive and you are able to leap tall buildings in what a single bound you are super okay now no no now let's get back to the real world okay 
let's leave our cartoons and get back to the real world. There is a garment that is super. And once it has been placed on your natural, you become supernatural. Now, this is straight out of the Bible now. And this garment, it's not an S, it's really, a, a, it could be a TB or a B, but it's the blessing. It's called the blessing. I'm not talking about blessings, okay, plural. I'm talking about the blessing, TB, okay? Now, the blessing is the root. See, I got it down here. The blessing is the root, and all the blessings are the fruit. Now, can you have the blessings fruit if you have no root? No, it don't work that way. No root, no fruit. So for a few minutes, I want us to think about the blessing in the singular. And uh, when you think about the words, let's say, blessing or blessed, you probably do like I do before I got this revelation, and I would think about events or I'd think about things and uh, good things that have transpired in my life, material gain that I've had, tangible substance of God's favor in my life, favorable position and all of these things. But God's blessing on your life is not the good things. It's not all those wonderful things that he does for you. The blessing is not the good things. Instead, hear me now, the blessing of God is more like a coat or a cloak. It's like a garment that you wear rather than something that you get. Now let me give you an illustration. Uh, this will help us see the distinction between blessing and blessings, okay? Think of the wind. Look here at this picture here. You're thinking of the wind. You see the kite blowing. You see the hair blowing in the breeze. Leaves rolling around. The limbs are all flying. And, you know, you see all these things and you say, boy, the wind is sure blowing today. And you're correct to say the wind is blowing, but you can't actually see the wind, right? You can only see the effects of the wind blowing. So the wind is like the blessing and the effects of the wind that you see are the blessings. So in order for you to get the blessings, if, you're, if it's uh, the things blowing in the kite flying, you've got to have the blessing. You've got to have wind, right? Proverbs 10 and 22 says it this way. The blessing. Is there an S behind that? No. Singular. This thing called like the wind. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich... And God, he adds no sorrow with it. See, a lot of people run after riches, and they'll get riches, but they'll ignore their family. They'll ignore their spouse. They'll ignore their children. They'll ignore their health. They'll ignore a lot of things. Running after riches, and with those riches comes sorrow. There's divorces. There's rebellious children. Maybe on addiction, addiction is in the family, and a lot of, of harsh things. But God says the blessing has the power to make you rich, but it will not bring sorrow with it. You'll still have a loving relationship with your spouse. You'll still have children that serve the Lord. You'll still have good health in your body when it comes from the blessing. Now, we also see in Galatians 3 and 13 and 14, this is Yom Kippur scripture again, where Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He came not only to shed sinless blood to pay our sin account, but he died on a cross 
And, and Deuteronomy tells us that he who hangs on a tree, a curse comes on him. So he hung on a tree. Didn't let him beat, uh, kill him at the whipping post. Didn't let him kill him at the, at the cliff they tried to throw him off. Didn't let him, he didn't let him kill him when they tried to stone him to death. But now, even when uh, Herod went to try and kill him when he was a little boy, uh, the angel came and said, get into Egypt because you're not going to die this way. You've got to die on a tree. Why? Because you are the Yom Kippur offering. You are the one who takes the sin off of the people, but you're also the one that takes the curse off of the people. Hallelujah! So Jesus came that we might live a curse-free life. Now he did that, verse 14 here says, so that what? The blessings? No! That this blessing. That means you're blessed when you walk. So a lot of people say, well, if I can get in the right uh, business, if I can get in the right uh, 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 partner, if I can get with the right city, if I can get in the right, you know, wherever, I can get blessed. I got to find where the blessing is. Let me tell you what, they're missing it. They're missing it. God said the blessing is something that you by faith need to put on. You need to take it as the gift of the Yom Kippur offering of Jesus Christ and you need to wear it with faith. I have the blessing. Jesus wanted me to have this blessing so much that he hung on a tree. He was crucified on a tree. He could have died in his sleep, but he wouldn't have taken this curse off of me to get this blessing on me. He took the curse off so that he could what? Get the blessing on me. Hallelujah. He wants you to wear the blessing. He wants you to start walking in the blessing. And when you walk in the blessing, what did he say? Everywhere the soles of your feet shall trot, that place shall be what? Blessed. He says, whatever you put your hands to shall be what? Blessed. Why? Because you're carrying the blessing. You're not looking to run and try and find a blessing like trying to find an Easter egg uh, when the kids are out there searching. No. It's yours in Christ. So here, both of these scriptures, the blessing is singular, and uh, God is telling us about the power of this blessing. So we're not trying to get blessed, but I've seen people say, well, I'm going to such and such uh, convention. I need so-and-so to lay their hands on me that I might get the blessing, you know, right? I may get a blessing. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Okay, if you want to go and support a ministry, that's fine. But let me tell you what, why not you look at it this way, that when I walk in the door, they may have forgotten the blessing, but I'm bringing the blessing. You know, it's like you show up at a potluck, and they said bring side things, and you saw 33 people signed up potato salad, and 20 other, 22 people signed up to bring in a bag of potato chip. And you're like, you know what? The blessing's going to be the meat. And they said, the host said they'd provide the meat, but this, that looked like a lot of folks coming, and you show up with the blessing, and you show up with a big pot of meat. And let me tell you why. That goes better. Meat goes better with potato salad and chips and all that other stuff. If, I'm a meat eater. Y'all can get that. So if you're a vegetarian, that analogy just fell completely apart. Just ignore it. It never happened. And let's move on. Amen. Amen. So in the next few moments here, I want to drill into you. I want to take a drill and drill it into your, into your spirit, man. And I want to pour you full of faith from God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that you, your faith will rise up and you will embrace the blessing. This is Yom Kippur. This is the eve of Yom Kippur. Let me tell you what, that you would embrace the blessing. Let me tell you what, if they sent a scapegoat out tonight, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter if that goat comes back or not, our sacrifice has already fulfilled it. The curse has been broken. The curse has been lifted in Christ Jesus. And you can declare, even now, you don't have to look at some bloody rag to 
see if it's going to turn white. All you got to know is that your, your robes were red as crimson, but now they're white. They're white as snow. They're pure as wool because your Yom Kippur sacrifice, Jesus the Christ, has already deemed it all done for you. Amen. So let me just hopefully cause you to want to go and feast at the blessing. Feast on the blessing of the Lord. So let me give you several things that the blessing is. Number one, this, what we're calling the blessing, is a gift of grace. Thank God for that, because grace gets in front of my life and invites me into something that I cannot attain on my own. Grace takes me to a height I could never achieve in my own smarts or strength. Grace extends the invitation and it invites us into another realm that we could never work hard enough, give enough money, be humble enough, beat ourselves up enough. There's nothing we could do to get to that place that grace will bring us to. So instead, we swing from, you know, I've seen people go from one extreme to the other. They go from legalism, you know, where that kills you and everybody's going to hell. And it's like, we're glad you're going to hell. And I wish you were going to hell right now. You're not doing what you should do. And you, you ever seen that kind of preaching? And you're like, whoa. But then that swings over to the other sense of uh, licentiousness where, you know, um, which, and that'll kill you quicker if you're not careful. You know, everything is, 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 God has a license, it's free, you just do whatever you want, God loves you, it doesn't really matter. Let me tell you what, grace says you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Mercy says you don't deserve the blessing, you deserve damnation. Yet grace steps in and says you deserve this because Jesus loved you this much, that he made this available to you not because you deserve it but because jesus loves you this much will you embrace it so we have to do something faith without works is dead we have to, so we have to embrace it so i pray you would embrace the blessing tonight because you know you don't deserve the house you live in you don't deserve the spouse you have if you marry just look at them right now and say you know i married up you know I married up. Come on, bless them right now. Just go ahead and bless them. You know I married up. You don't deserve the children or the health or the friends that you have, but by grace, by the amazing grace of God, the love of God, hallelujah. And you need to know that the blessing is a gift of grace. I want us to look at Abraham, uh, the blessing of Abraham, because when God called Abraham apart to establish a covenant with him, he told him this here in verses 1 and 3 through 3 of Genesis 12. Get out of your country from your own family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Look at verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. Look what he says. And I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now remember in Galatians 3.14, we just read that Jesus took the curse off of us by hanging on a tree so that what? So that what? The blessing of who? Abraham. So the blessing of Abraham might come on us, even the Gentiles. Here's the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And into you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in speaking these words to Abraham, 
as God spoke them, He actually placed the blessing on him. God graced Abraham. He, he invited him into the blessing here. He graced Abraham with the blessing by his words. Now, when you look at how God did it, guess how you and I can receive it even today? Abraham had nothing to do with it. Romans 4 and 3 says he responded. Romans 4 and 3 says Abraham believed God and it accounted unto him for righteousness. So, in Galatians 3 and 14, God says, I want to put the blessing of Abraham on you. No excuses. You say, I'm a Gentile. Even the Gentiles. You put it right there. I want to put the blessing on you. But we got to do what he did in Romans 4 and 3 here. We got to believe God and God accounted that unto him for righteousness. We got to believe that God wants to put the blessing on us so that we'll receive it and begin to walk in it. I'm here to tell you, Yom Kippur at sunset, they sent the scapegoat out and they're worrying and they're biting their nails. Is he coming back? Is the curse coming back? Is the curse coming back? Is this bloody rag going to turn white or not? Oh, you don't have to worry. You can start celebrating tonight. The curse is gone. The curse is broken. So that the blessing might be on you who will believe. Do you believe? If you believe, receive the blessing. Hallelujah. Also, the blessing produces God's favor. I'm, going to try, I'm, I'm a salesman tonight. I'm trying to sell you on the blessing of God. If Jesus loved us so much that he hung on a tree to get the curse off us so he could get the blessing on us, I'm all about getting the blessing on you. And I'm all about you seeing that the curse is broken and stop letting the curse dictate your life. So I'm trying to sell you on what Jesus has already done for us. I believe in the product, and I believe in the person, and I believe in the company. Father, uh, our Father, and our Son, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what, they run a, a spotless company. It is without fault. It's a 5.0 review every time. They are sinless. They're God. And they've got a plan. And the plan for you and the plan for me is to get the curse off of us and get the blessing on us by grace, not something we earn, but something by faith we have to embrace. Hallelujah. So let me keep selling it to you. Number two, the blessing produces God's favor. God promised Abraham his favor that would be upon his life and that Abraham would increase and his children and his children's children would increase. Somebody needs to pull that into you and pull it in. Let it just spill over on your children. You say, my children are grown. I guarantee if they're grown, they still would appreciate the supernatural divine favor of provision and blessing and, and God opening doors for them. Would be, I, I guarantee they'd love that. I guarantee you. If your children may be 70, they still love it. In their retirement years, they say, let the favor of God come my way. Hallelujah. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Call it in. Call it in. The blessing produces God's favor. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, we looked at that scripture a few minutes ago, but I emphasize it now because that's what the blessing of the Lord does. It produces God's favor. Now, I know God's definition of rich is probably a lot different from someone who maybe is on American greed and called rich for a short season. The richness and the prosperity of God's people is probably in comparison to the greed and the, and the jet-setting uh, lifestyle of trying to be showing off and trying to be somebody because you, you got, think you got something. I guarantee they had nothing to do with each other at all. 
I could preach a whole sermon on what the favor of God is that brings riches and brings uh, prosperity from God's definition, and that'll have to hold for another message because we've only got a few more minutes and we've got a long way to go here. So when you wear the blessing, it's going to make you rich. It's going to make you rich in how God wants you to be rich. I believe that, rich, that richness has to do with not having to spend all your money at the doctor. I believe that richness means not having to spend all your time waiting at the doctor's office, waiting to get seen to spend all your money. I believe that richness means that those things that were the devil tried to break down to make you have to go out and buy it all new again just keeps on working. It's like a Timex. It just takes a licking and keeps on ticking. I believe the richness of God. You're like, I got this thing. It keeps on going. It just won't quit. And until it quits, I'm just going to say the favor of God. The favor of God. Rich in His grace and rich in His uh, love provides healing and deliverance and freedom and advancement and promotion and strength and, and health and love and forgiveness and power and anointing. And Like I said, we could go on and on and on because that's the richness that God wants to bring. The blessing does that. And because the blessing of the Lord accompanies you everywhere you go, then you're going to see the favor of God everywhere you go. You going into a new season? You, somebody say, is the God, is, are you going to have favor there? You say, yes, I am. And you say, well, what about when next year comes around? Uh, you going to have favor? You say, yes, I am. Now, how do you know that? Because I have the blessing of God. Jesus did everything to get the blessing to me. I have faith to receive it and to wear it and declare it in the name of Jesus. So wherever I go, it's going to be blessed. Amen. Psalms 1 and 3 says it like this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This is what, when you wear the blessing, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. Your leaf does not wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Everything you touch prospers. It cannot help but prosper because you bear the blessing. You wear the blessing. You declare the blessing. So when the Lord pronounces the blessing upon you, you got to start walking like that. Yo, dragging and whining and complaining and fault finding and nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just go eat some worms. You got to start saying, I got the favor of God on me. I wear the blessing. Not a prideful nose up in the air. I pray a rainstorm comes and puts your head down because, but no, just put the humbleness of God, the humility of God, but say, God, I didn't deserve it, but you love me this much. You've invited me in to wear your favor. You've invited me in to wear your blessing. You want the folks around to see me having the coat of many colors. You want me to see your love exposed on me. You want, to be, you want me to be light, and how am I going to be light that affects them if I'm the same place they're at? You want to reach them so that they can be invited to wear the favor of God and the blessing of God as well, that they can have a relationship with Jesus as well. Who wants a relationship with somebody broke, busted, and disgusted in the name of Jesus? Man, I need a dollar from you. I got to pay my life. I need a dollar from you. I need, I got to, you know, I got to go buy me a box of Cracker Jacks or something. I need a dollar from you. Come on now. And the world says, man, if you, and I'm a Christian, give me a dollar. And they'll be like, man, you're a Christian. And you, man, they'll be leaving. They say, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity. But if you're blessed to be a blessing, what did he say? You'll have more than enough. You'll have more than enough. Enough not only to take care of your needs, not only to leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children, the Bible says, but also enough to be a blessing to those that are in need around you. 
Now remember, whatever the Lord's given to us, the devil's going to fight us on this. Anybody know what spiritual warfare is all about? Anybody been in the battle? Don't you give up. Don't you give up. It may not look like you're winning right yet, but don't you give up because the scapegoat's not coming back. The curse is broken. The victory is yours. You just got to stand firm, weary not in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So if you're in the middle of a battle, I'm encouraging you tonight. The blessing, the blessing. Hallelujah. Number three, the blessing reverses the curse. woo Reverses the curse. Reverses the curse. He establishes this covenant with us, with the promises of God. And look what he says in verse 3 of 12, Genesis. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. Not only is the blessing going to bless you, but now that curse that's been coming on you is going to bounce back off of you and go right back on them. Somebody trying to curse you, bam, they get hit right between the eyes. They're like, it's like a boomerang, bam, it just keeps coming back. And they're like, I'm trying to curse, bam, and it just keeps, bam, it just keeps coming back. Because you're wearing the blessing. And the blessing of God won't let the curse come on you. You know, praise God. Praise God. Somebody say, I love that. He said, I'll reverse every curse, every idle word, every trap, any evil thing that anyone has tried to come against you with, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to reverse the curse. In Isaiah 54, verse 15, Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. The blessing is going to be aggressive toward the curse. Because part of the blessing is that they're coming against you, they're going to fall. If somebody's trying to bring you down, they're going to go down. You don't have to stoop and fight at their level. Hallelujah. He said in verse 17, what? No weapon. How many weapons does that leave out? That covers them all, right? That means weapons that we had not even thought of yet. When they think of them, no weapon shall formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants, uh, and this righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So God is not going to let anybody mess with your blessing. Hallelujah. As long as you wear the blessing in faith, no curse can attach itself to you in the name of Jesus. You're going to have warfare. The enemy's going to try from long range to try and send it in. But I'm telling you what, you'll see bombs are bursting in air, but it won't be because they're hitting you. They're going to be hitting an iron dome of the hand of God and the wings of angels that are protecting you. So don't wear the curse, wear the blessing. Amen? The point is you've got to wear the blessing. You've got to know I'm the blessed of the Lord. Not I have blessings, that's the fruit. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am rooted in my Yom Kippur sacrifice. I am rooted in Jesus the Christ, the Christos, who has lifted my sin, taken my sin, and destroyed the curse off of my life. Hallelujah. That's why he says in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That mindset that Jesus' last name is not Christ. His first name is not Christ. He was Jesus, he is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Yom Kippur anointing that takes away the sins and removes the curse. The twofold, the twofold. He was free, free indeed, double free, double. So here, the mind that Jesus walked on this earth and showed us how to live victorious was his mind was set on that anointing 
of him being the Christ, the Christos. And now he says, you have the same anointing. He said, the anointing on me I put on you, and you become now the body of, the, of Christ. We, the church, are called what? The body of Christ here on earth now. The body of this same anointing where sins have been destroyed and the curse has been broken. Hallelujah. So as long as we wear the blessing. Final, let me wrap it up with this one. The blessing makes you a blessing. Wow. Now that feels good. I'm just here to tell you, that feels good. God told Abraham, you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and I'll curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You're going to be able to bless those who bless you. You'll be a blessing. And being a blessing started with Abraham's family. If you remember, God didn't call Abraham's nephew Lot to leave with his family, uh, but, but uh, Abraham did. Here, uh, Lot tags along. He knew a good deal when he saw one. He's like, wow, uncle's got the blessing of God on him now. And he's going to prosper, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hang with him. Guess what? Lot prospered so much that his increase of wealth was bumping heads with the increase of Abraham's wealth. And they had to part ways because there wasn't enough grass to feed all the, all the sheep of their increase. So let me tell you why. You want to live that life with the blessing of God on you where folks say, I just want to hang around. I just want to hang around Pastor Rodica. There's just something about her. There's a glow about her. There's a favor on her life. There's a, let me tell you why. And they just want to hang around her. That's what I did. I married up. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you got to change your stinking thinking. Amen. You got to start walking with your mind made up that the blessing is on me, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus loves me so much that he did everything to take the curse off of me and get the blessing on me. And let me tell you, when, when you start walking and living like that, you're going to be so much nicer to be around. <laughs> Your selfishness will melt away. That arrogance and pridefulness will melt away. That yuckiness that you all, we all have, if we're not careful, will melt away. And man, we just start walking with the knowledge that God loves me so much that he has done this so I could walk this life out with the blessing. <coughs> Amen? Amen? Let me see here. Is there something uh, I want to maybe bring up here? Now, I think I'll, I'll wrap it up with Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I think I have this for you. For by grace, it's the grace of God again. I wanted to remind you of that. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you have been saved. That word saved, sozo, means healed, means preserved, it means made well, it means made whole, it means prospered. That word sozo, you know, we have the sozo class, that word sozo is the word we translate in the New Testament as saved, but it's sozo. And that word sozo means the blessings that come from the blessing. All those things, that health, that prosperity, that increase, that healing, that wholeness, that joy, all of that stuff that comes from the blessing, it's by grace you have received this through faith. And I emphasize through faith. So if I close in the next 45 seconds and you do not exercise faith to believe and receive what I've shared with you, let me tell you what, it will be just knowledge you walk out of here with that will not change your life.
it has to be received through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest not, uh, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God knows I am giving you this opportunity. And Yom Kippur, he has it come around every year. Yom Kippur comes around every year to remind us over and over and over. God said, I don't want you to forget it, that I want you blessed. I want you blessed. Will you make up your mind this evening at 8.37 on the Eastern Standard Time right now and say, you know what? I make up my mind. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to, I'm going to receive the blessing. The great gift of God, the Yom Kippur gift of God, His Son, Jesus Christ. He who knows the Son, the Son receiving, He not only sets you free, but He'll set you double free. Your sin and the curse. So that the blessing could come on you. Hallelujah. If so, I want you to declare, before we walk out of here, I want you to declare, Christ has redeemed me. Make it personal. Go ahead and put that on the screen there. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Say it again. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. So that the blessing may come on me. So that the blessing may come on me. I receive the blessing. I release the curse. I receive the blessing. And I will walk in faith as one who has been blessed by the Yom Kippur offering Jesus Christ Himself. My Lord, my Savior, my Master, my God, my Deliverer, my Healer, my Blesser. I love you, Jesus. Come on, stand with your feet, if you will. Hallelujah. Stand with your feet. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, as we have made our declaration, Lord, that we release the curse and we receive the blessing. We come in alignment with your Yom Kippur plan that we will have our sins and the burden that they bring lifted off of us and we will have the curse and the yoke that it brings on us broken off of us. Hallelujah. That we are not just free, but we are free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together. Now, I have to put this little insert in here. And you may not like me for it, but I just have to because this is what's coming. Being that you now by faith, you know what the blessing is, you're going to wear the blessing, the fruit of blessings are going to just be natural. That's going to be a part of it. And part of that is money is coming to you. Now, I know some people don't like a preacher to talk about it, but that's part of God's prayer. He wants to provide for you. He said, he said, you know, you'll be young and old and my seed has never seen begging for bread. He's going to help you buy your groceries, okay? So being that money will be coming to you, that's part of the blessing. I pray that you will come back out on next Wednesday because I've got a message on how to teach you how to biblically be prepared to handle this increase. Because more money has messed up more people than it's helped when they don't understand that it's just a resource that God has given them stewardship over. 
So next Wednesday night, Lord willing, please come back out. I'm going to teach you how to biblically handle your money. And that's not you give it to me. I'm not that kind of preacher. I'm not going to tell you to give it to me. If God tells you to give it to me, that's a different story. But that's not what it's about. It's about how you biblically can steward the increase that is coming because of the blessing. We're going to talk about the power to get money, the power to handle money, and the power to keep it in righteousness for His name's sake. Amen? Amen. God bless.